this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge, and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over, and there are two small gray entities pulling at me, and they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush, and I touch air, couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move, because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yep. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. If you want more shows every week on Thursdays, we release a bonus show to members only on the website. So if you want more shows on a weekly basis, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member today. Now this week we have a great show coming up. We have two interviews coming up on this show today. First off, we have Sandra coming on the show and she's going to talk about her Hatman experience where it's very unique where you actually have somebody that had Hatman experience and actually spoke with it. Very interesting conversation I had with Sandra. And then we bring on Richard who has just more of an uplifting story that he has where he got connected with his long lost brother that really seemed to defy all odds, but it actually happened in the most ironic way. So I thought it'd be a good fun interview to bring him on and have him talk and share that story and kind of lift up the spirits, hopefully. But anyways, let's get to this week's show right now. All right, today we got Sandra on the show. Sandra, how you doing? Good. How are you, Tony? Doing well, doing well. So, uh, Sandra, you have um, a life of these paranormal experiences. You believe that you're being demonically attacked or or spiritual. There's a lot of spiritual warfare going on in your life, but it all starts as a child when you were about five years old and you had a hat man speak to you. Now, that's something that I find interesting because uh, a lot of times I hear these hat man stories, but I can't recall very often where I hear people say that that actually spoke to them. So what happened? Um, yeah, this is kind of interesting because I have been listening to your show where, um, where the hat man, people have said they've seen him and I'm waiting for somebody to say that they've actually spoken to him. And I did. 
And what happened was when I was about was about five years old, um, I was being babysat and with a bunch of there was like four little kids and a babysitter. And we it was kind of like during those times where you were you had to either stay outside or play in the garage. So we were playing in the garage. I remember we were kind of like bouncing a ball around playing and the babysitter was sitting there. One of the girls that was with me said to the, our babysitter, can I go inside the house and get a drink of water? And so she said, sure. So the one of the little girls that I was being babysat with went inside the house to get a drink of water, came back out screaming, saying there's a ghost in the house, there's a ghost in the house. So what do I do? I run inside the house. And my brother followed me. So it was me and my brother. We ran inside the house. And it was, it, this is like around 1970. So this is like during the time where um, everybody's curtains were like really thick with like the blackout material. So like the whole house, the inside of the house was kind of like blacked out. And I walked in the house and there was a man standing there with a suit like a suit on like 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 he'd like the shadow man with the fedora um and he started yelling at my brother and i he said who where where the hell are those mfers that did this to me and i remember standing there in shock i think i was in shock and so I also think at that point in time, I was trying to debunk it, believe it or not. I thought, who's playing a joke on us? Like, who's making up this fake ghost in the house? So I remember looking around trying to figure out how they could do this, but it was impossible because the whole house, there was no way to cast a shadow because all the windows had blackout curtains on them and the house was dark and this entity or shadow man was darker then everything, I could make out his clothes. I could make out his face. I saw his mouth moving. He kept asking, actually more and more aggressively. Um, there was a lamp on the table that he knocked. My brother at this point ran out of the house. The lamp got knocked down at me, and he just kept screaming at me. He wanted to know where the guys were that had done this to him. So what do you think that was about? I mean, where were the guys that did this to him? Was, are you talking about like, do you think he was saying, I died, I, I was murdered, something like that? Right. I think he's, I think he said, I, my feeling was that he was murdered and he was in some sort of vengeance or revenge, stuck in some sort of revenge and trying to find out who these guys were that killed him. And once I stood there and realized that this wasn't a joke and that nobody was playing a joke on me. I ran back outside into the garage and I told the babysitter, she opened the door of the house and looked inside, screamed, pulled the door shut and told all of us kids, get out of the garage, get out of the garage. And we all got out of the garage and stood in the street and she ran. And for the rest of the day until our parents came back, we just literally walked around the neighborhood. Wow. So 
Um, that shadow guy, and I, I remember looking at my brother and going, did you see that? And he said, yeah. And later on in life, even up, you know, we don't, he doesn't really talk about it. Um, it was it was a, it was a person who had been murdered i thought and was looking for the guys that did it well that's interesting i mean so the hat man experience that people typically have is when they see this thing and it's standing there it doesn't say anything a lot of times they don't even describe it moving um but your experience is that it not only spoke but it 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 had character to it. Like there was a real purpose to its existence in front of you. Uh, and it was mad. Um, do, do you think that this was something different than the typical hat man that people see? Or do you think that this was, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes I, I want, cause I wonder sometimes this is what I wonder. I wonder if people that see the hat man are seeing the same entity or are they seeing entities that look very similar as they they all are wearing the hats, which is very, very interesting that you brought up the fedora as well. And so I don't know. I mean, what do you make of that? I don't know. I mean, the only thing that I, I mean, when I sit back and I'm analytical about it now, I have to say it reminds me of, I mean, automatically I'm going to say like 1940s mafia kind of guy. Um you know, that whole you know, good fellows kind of that that's the feeling that I get from him. Like that's and and I don't is was there a lot of murder of these guys during that time? And or is this just one of the another one of these guys that just is a style of outfit that they wore during that era? Um, I don't know. But this one, def, this guy definitely was murdered. And I was almost like he was trying to convey to me exactly how he was murdered. If I would have stayed longer. Um, but I didn't because he threw the lap at me. So I figured that was enough. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> especially, especially for a five-year-old, I think it was. So yeah, that's, that's enough. And so that yeah, was, you, you see this thing, but you mentioned in the email how it followed you, right? Like it, it followed you around uh, from place to place. Yeah. So after, yeah, it did follow me. So what happened was after that, um, I remember maybe a day or two later walking back by that house. Cause it was literally just around the corner from my house. And, and we, all of us kids played outside. So I walked by the house and that particular house that I played in that garage caught on fire. And I was just little, I was five, and I remember walking up to the house and seeing the entire house. It, it, it already, the flames had already been put up by the fire department, and the entire house, the interior of the house was black. And I remember, oh no. Like, oh no. Getting home that day, I mean, this is the best of my recollection. Getting home that day, going to bed that night, and he was in my room, standing on the wall, and he's like, I'm not going anywhere until you tell me where the guys are that did this to me. 
And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Uh, so um, being little, I think you can probably imagine like the first thing I did was I jump out of bed and try to run to my parents' room because I was terrified. And I opened my bedroom door and there was a man standing on the other side of my bedroom door. And this man was dressed in a cowboy outfit. And he's like, you're not going anywhere until you like deal with that. You're staying right where you are. You're not going through me to get to your parents. I'm he goes, And then he said to me, he said, if you go through me, I just want you to know what kind of person I am. I'm the kind of, I'm the kind of person. And, and it was like conveyed to me. I don't even know that, that necessarily because my memory now is faded, that it was totally spoken to me, but he made it absolutely clear that if I walked through him to get to my parents door, that he would hang me. So I'm like, okay, I don't want to be hung. And he explained to me how he was going to hang me. So I went back into my bedroom and shut the door. And then that has been a lifelong hat man following me till this day. It's just been really difficult. Well, yeah, I can imagine. So, I mean, having something like that follow you around your entire life is, you know, I, I, some people might think it's terrifying, but to me, it almost makes me feel like more nerve wracked. Like, like eventually do you ever think about, are you like, am I going crazy or, or am I really seeing this all, all the time? Right. So that's exactly, so that's exactly, so that's exactly what, you know, I've had the, I've had the opportunities since I'm not five years old anymore to, you know, you know, re, re discuss that with my brother um, about the shadow man at the initial, um, encounter and then him confirming that for me going, okay, so I didn't imagine that. And, um, I think what it did for me was it reinforced my faith because I was growing up in a house where I had no, there was no faith in our house. And so I had a babysitter another babysitter because I never actually was able to go back to that house and be babysat because that house burnt down. And I'm, I'm not sure if the people moved or what happened. And I had a babysitter who took me um, behind my parents' back and had me baptized. Um, and I talked to the priest. I was five and told him what had happened to me. And he reassured me that God was was watching over me. And I think that the thing that has done for me in my life is now that I've seen that, I'm absolutely certain there's something else going on. I mean, there's, there's no doubt in my mind there's something else going on. And if anything, it has reinforced my faith. And so now, um, if I, if I have any funky feeling or if something's going to show up, I, I literally wear like an eye mask to bed because I don't want to see anything. And I pray before I go to bed and I just, you know, 
um, ask Jesus to watch over me while I sleep, and I'm okay now. Um, I don't, um, I don't give it any power anymore during the night. But um, what it what what transformed because of that, or what's been going on to me because of that up until recently, is so. So if I own anything like anything that is like angelic or religious, um, those things get attacked in my house. So um, because I'm a Christian and it seems like a lot of my Christian friends like to buy me Christian gifts, um, I started getting people would give me angels or stuff like that. And I liked that. And I thought it was kind of nice to have that in my house. And then those things, um, the angels any angel that I've ever owned for the last 50 years um, does not survive in my house. Um, they get thrown across the floor and they get decapitated. So it's probably been, I mean, I'm going to round up to a hundred ceramic angels that have been decapitated. It's, it's just their heads chopped off. And so I stopped. I'm like, those don't come in my house anymore. And if, if I get them as gifts, I'm, I'm that I'm bummed because I don't want to bring them in the house. Cause I, because I don't want that thing to have any power over me or try to scare me or let me know it's still here. I want it to just be put in its place and to go away. Um, and, um, so the ceramic angels are all gone. That's all out of my house now. And now it's, if I own a crucifix, so if I own a crucifix, the, my crucifixes are all decapitated. Jesus's head is chopped off of my crucifixes and I'll be wearing it and I'll have Jesus on there. And then I'll go to be going somewhere, doing something and look down and the head's gone. While you're wearing it? So while I'm wearing it. Wow. And you don't, you don't feel anything. You don't know it until you look at it. I look down at it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't feel anything. I don't know anything. I look down. Cause I, so what I did is I, that, that was like another thing that I, because I kind of like religious stuff. I like to look at it. I like to wear it. Um, I have paintings in my house. I have paintings of crosses that survived, but no statues. Um, all my crucifixes are decapitated. So um, and I, I would buy vintage ones on eBay and stuff. And like to wear them, um, but now I just feel like it's when I walk. I, I can't walk around with a crucifix that has a decapitated Jesus on it. I just feel like it doesn't look right. No, yeah, I mean <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's almost fighting the fighting for the other side. I mean, it's not. It's like it's like what are you? You know, like who? who what team are you on? So <laughs> I yeah, totally I mean, get honestly, it. it's like, and 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 it's sad because I've I've. You know, like if you go on eBay, you can buy like a lot. Like they'll be like, there's like 30 crucifix, uh, crucifixes. So I'm like, oh, they're so cool. They're vintage and they're made out of glass and and buy them. But that's over now. That's gone too. Um, so no religious stuff in my house now. Um, um, when, I, when I walk, when I get up in the middle of the night, I go out of my bed to go to the bathroom. I just pray to Jesus when I'm walking. I'm pretty strong. I know that I know that that I know that the shadow man has no power over Jesus. And he knows that I know that. 
I could feel it that he knows that I know that. Because when I walk through the dark, I'm like, bring it. Bring it on. Bring it. Try to scare me. Try to do something to me. I've got Jesus. And I, it's, it, it hasn't done that. It almost like it, I can feel it almost like kind of like seeping back into the corner of the wall. Like it just sort of decreases and goes away. Well, that's a common thing that a lot of people say, right? I mean, so it, it seems like from what I've heard now, granted, I have very limited uh, experience with such things. Um, and I, people have heard the different stories that I've had throughout my life. But from the collective narrative that I've heard on the show and people telling me, it seems like those who have faith in Christ, when they claim that, these things back off. A couple times I've heard situations where it continues, but for the most part, it seems like these things back off. At least initially they back off. Sometimes they come back, but initially upon the declaration, it seems like these things back off. Yeah, I would I'm I'm gonna say that I would agree with you. I think like I think that as my faith has grown stronger, um I'll sometimes like I'll get growling. Um I'll hear growling in the room. And I'm just like, you know, I've got Jesus, so I'm I I I don't know. I'm not scared. And it's interesting because when I talk about or if I've talked which I barely ever do talk about these experiences or this stuff that's going on with me, um, even my Christian friends are like, You're not scared? I'm like, Absolutely not. I mean, if anything, I'm like, bring it. I mean, I I I feel strong in my faith, so um, none of this stuff doesn't scare me anymore. Um, break off my angel, break off, you know, my angel's head. I don't care. I'll pick it up, throw it in the trash, move along. I'm just not, I'm just not letting it bother me anymore. I'm over it. I'm done. Like growl, throw things, do whatever you want to do, but I am not going to waver. I mean, you're not going to scare me and terrify me my whole life. I'm not going to do it. You don't get, you don't get to do this to me. So. Um, yeah, I feel like I've kind of, I feel like I've taken charge of it and, um, just, I don't know, Tony, I'm not afraid anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's good. I, I really think that's good. Uh, do you think that, uh, based off of what you're saying, it sounds like you've experienced this your entire life and, uh, do you expect it to just continue because it seems like it's going to be, on, it's on that course of just going throughout your entire life? I'm going to say that my, apparently my grandma, well, my grandmother had this same thing. And so that's okay. So, so this is the irony in that. It, I mean, if we're going to touch on that, my daughter who looks exactly like me, can't, she sleeps her entire house have, she sleeps with the lights on in her house and she's not a Christian. And she, I, she said to me, mom, I see ghosts and I can't have the dark in my house. So she sleeps with the lights on in her house till, till this day, till last night, my daughter sleeps with the lights on in her room. So when I go to visit her, I have to wear a sleep mask because the lights are all on in the house and then in the bedrooms and she's not a Christian and she's terrified. So 
do I feel like that it's going to continue on? I don't know if it's jumping from me to her now. I don't, she's absolutely, she's like, I see ghosts. I see some, I see, I see shadow figures. I see there's black figures moving in my house. I cannot. And my, her house, Tony is, they, they, they built that house. It's a custom house. It's not an old house they moved into. It's a brand new house in Southern California, right near the beach, totally Mahalo environment over there. And she's got the lights on 24-7. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, happens a lot, right? I mean, we hear about people saying that they are living in a brand new house and they have activity going on. And when I first heard those kind of things, actually the very first time I ever heard of something like that, I was a kid and I was watching one of those ghost shows and they said that, you know, they built a brand new home and then it was haunted. I was like, oh my gosh, how is that possible? <laughs> you know, I'm a little kid, you know, I've always been, I was a weird kid. I, I liked watching ghost shows. But, um, you know, as you get older and you hear about these different stories, you're thinking, well, then there, there there's clearly more to it than up, oh, it's an old house. And so, you know, it seems like people can be haunted. I believe that. I believe people can be haunted. And it, maybe maybe your daughter uh, is starting to experience that. I, I, I think so. I mean, not only I think so, I know so. And then, you know, talking to my mother, because it, it skipped my mom. But my mother said that my, well, and I know this for a fact, because I, I my grandmother, I had a very close relationship to. And my grandmother has sleep disorder because she couldn't sleep at night. Because she saw spirits. And so further inquiring mind, just like you, <laughs> um, I just recently called my mom because I knew I was going to talk to you. And I said, Mom, you know, like, did something happen to Nana when, like, it was, I mean, what, well, you know, like, what happened to her? Did, did she have this problem her whole life where she saw spirits? And then she told me that my grandmother, who was a single mom raising three kids, was date, was dating this young man, um, and they lived in Mexico. Was dating this young man, and the she she, had, she was like a, like I said, a single mother of three kids, and the young man wanted to marry my grandmother, and the family of that young man who my mom believes were in that Sandinista, that, that um, Hispanic kind of uh, voodoo stuff came to my mom, my grandmother's house and told my grandmother, if you see this man, if you see our son again, we are going to curse you. So my mom said that, after my grandmother, they, they, they threatened to curse my grandmother. She didn't believe them. She continued to see their son. And then maybe within a week, they came home one day and the roof of their house had crows all over it. And my mom says that she remembers my grandmother pouring salt all around the house and being like, I'm never going to see this guy again. Oh my God, that's it. Never again. And I don't even know if that's where it started, but I know that happened. And my mom witnessed that and she could talk on that. And 
I don't know if that's where it started and it's continue. It, I don't know. It's crazy. I, I, you know, you just don't know. Um, but that, that, that's, that happened to my grandmother is I, I, and that, and that I look just like her. I mean, she's, I mean, literally now that we have this COVID lockdown and I haven't been able to do my hair or do anything with myself. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I know. I mean, I remember I walked into the bathroom yesterday morning and looked in the mirror and I went, Oh, hi, Nana. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, and my, and my daughter also looks like my grandmother. And all three of us are sensitive. It's just that my daughter's, my daughter's not a Christian. So she's just sleeping with the lights on. Well, uh, and that you just went where I was going to go with this because I was thinking, like, it, could there be some kind of generational curse or something that was passed on? And it sounds like there might have been. There might have been. Case solved. <laughs> All uh, right. Well, then move along. Nothing to see here. Yeah. I, I mean, in, in that case and stuff, I, I mean, people ask me sometimes, you know, like, what should I do? I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I, I could sit here and tell you things that I've read it online. I could Google it. I could, you know, tell you what I've heard other people do and bring a witch doctor in or sage the house. No. Just that stuff. Like, I don't know what to tell you. It, no, I, I, I don't. And I don't even need to ask you what to do. I already, I've solved this. I'm fine, Tony. Right. I mean, I totally believe in God. I totally believe, believe that Jesus is, I believe, I believe, I mean, he's, all I have to do is think about him and I feel covered. And I talked to my daughter about that and I'm, she's like, mom, mom, you know, I'm only, I'm only, a, you know, I'm only 30 and I, you know, I'll be religious later on in life. Mm. <laughs> no. So, um, she knows that I've got a handle on this and that she doesn't, and she knows where I go to with this. But I mean, honestly, I, I mean, if this guy was standing here right now next to me, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't flinch. I'm fine. I don't need anybody to come in the house. I've got God, and I, I think I feel like He's got me. And I, I don't. I what I now need to do is is impress on my daughter how much relief that gives me, and how I can sleep in the dark, and no matter what comes up to me, I'm okay. And I'm feeling good. All right, let's take a second and talk about our sponsor for this week's show, which is Feels. We've talked about them before, and we're going to talk about them again because I think it's time to shake off the taboo feeling of CBD oil. It does great work for so many people. If you're feeling stress, anxiety, chronic pain, or having trouble to sleep once or twice a week, Feels and CBD oils are great for you. You're not alone in these struggles, and these kind of products can definitely help you out. Feels is a CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. It naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, sleeplessness, lots of great benefits to Feels. Place a few drops of Feels under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. The thing to remember about CBD is that finding your right dose is important, so leave room for experiment over the course of a week or so. And if you're looking for help, and you're new to the whole CBD thing, Feels is great because they actually have a customer support line where if you need help, Feels will offer a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience with people who actually know what they're talking about. Feels naturally helps to make you feel better. Become a member today 
by going to feels.com slash Tony and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash Tony to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash Tony. Richard, how you doing, man? Hey, Tony. Hey, man. So listen, uh, I got your email here, and it's actually a change of pace from what we usually have on the show. So usually, you know, it's the scarier, the better, you know, the spookiness and all that stuff. But uh, your story, when I read about it in the email, though it's short, I think that it's something we're talking about just because, uh, I don't know, when I read it, I felt really encouraged, and I felt like it was... Uh, a happy email, and I wanted to share the happy email with the audience. So uh, you have an experience that you want to share with us, so I'm just going to let you take it away. I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, sure. Um, in 1980, when I was eight years old, um, I was visiting with my father, and I only really saw him about once a year. And he dropped a bombshell on me by mentioning that I have two older two older half-brothers, and my jaw dropped. I never knew that. And I asked about him, and he just said, well, their names are Stephen and Derek. And, you know, I asked how old they were and stuff, and he he really, to be honest, didn't even, he hadn't seen them in years. So that was 1980, and I put it always, and it was always in the back burner of my mind. And um, all through the 80s, you know, uh, especially in high school, starting around 1986-7, I wondered about my brothers. And it just, it, it, it just kept bugging me. And what they looked like, what kind of music they listened to, uh, what kind of movies, and just everything. So um, I remember walking down the street um, with the boombox and cassette tape playing in my mullet, <laughs> um, wondering, you know, what they look like. So that was about late 80s. 1992, 93, I reconnected with his, my father's mother. Um, and mind you, I really, there was a seven-year period I didn't even see my father. Um, he, and I probably saw him once a year, if at best. So about 1992, I saw his mom, my grandmother, and I was just talking to her and uh, asked her about my older brothers. And she said, oh, yeah, I haven't seen them in years either. Um, I know. And I asked her what, what their last name was. Maybe I could look them up in the phone book. And she told me, well, it's not the same last name as you. They changed their last name to their adoptive stepfather. I said, okay, well, what's that? What's their last name? And she said, Jaffrey's. So in my mind, I'm looking for Stephen and Derek Jaffries. And for some reason, I always focused in my mind more on Stephen. Don't know why he was the uh, second one born. Um, and that was 92, 93. And uh, I looked in the phone book for him. I never found him. Uh, and just kind of, again, put it in the back burner of my mind. But it was that one haunting mystery that I just wanted solved. And then fast forward to probably 98, 9, 1999, I started going to church. 
and became a Christian. I even got baptized in 2002 at 30 years old and um, faithfully just went to church twice a week for about 12 years. During that time, um, I started working at a company and this was, I started the company at, in 2002 also. I worked there for a few years and you're not going to believe this, but I didn't, I realized I'd been working with my long lost half brother for three years at the same company. Now, what are the odds of that happening? I lived 31 miles away. What are the odds? Not only that, but out of 40 trucks in the back parking lot, we were parked next to each other. He was Route 37. I was Route 39. Wow. And out of five teams of managers, we were on the same team for three years. And I didn't even realize he was my brother. And I saw him every day. Um, now, the, the day, the moment, I'll never forget as long as I live that it dawned on me that he was my brother. Because mind you, he changed his last name. And my grandmother had told me his name's Stephen Jaffries. The guy I worked with, his name was Steve Jaffe. So my grandmother might have thrown me a curveball. I don't know. Um, but I will never forget where I was when I was when it dawned on me he was my brother. He was in the same room with me. There was about five or six other guys. I'm separating my paperwork for the day at the desk, and I feel two taps on my right shoulder. Nobody was behind me. And then right after that, somebody said the word Jaffe to call him over. And I looked at him and my jaw dropped all this within two, three seconds. I went, wait a second. That guy's got the same build as my father and the same shuffle. You know, he can't stand still. Same, same color. eye. So I went, oh, my God. Now, mind you, I'm on fire for God at this time. I was in the middle of going to church, just got baptized a few years earlier, a couple of years earlier. He goes into the cafeteria in the next room. I follow him. I go, Steve, do you have any brothers? He goes, um, yeah, I got a brother, Derek, and a half-brother, Joel. I went, do you know who your father is? He said, nah, not really. I know he's got the same last name as you. I went, oh, my God. Steve, you're my half-brother. He goes, Get out of here. My father was a state trooper. I go, yeah, and a Marine in Vietnam. He went, oh, my God. And I pointed to the ceiling, the sky, and I said, this is a divine appointment. Holy cow. Wow. So you had this experience where you had this aha moment and, you know, all of a sudden you realize that you, you're been, you've been working with your brother. Was there any point in time in that brief experience where you kind of halted the brakes and said to yourself, should I talk to him about this? Do you think that is it does he think that this is going to be weird or anything like that? Or was it just like, I got to talk to him? The three years we worked together before it dawned on me, he was my half brother. It, it just never. And the funny, ironic thing, God must have been looking down on us laughing because I, we rode together on the same truck for some sort of training one day, not six months before this occurred. 
and I remember like he kind of annoyed me. I'm like, he was like a that mascot of the company. And he he like we pulled over, he needed to get a cashier's check, and it took 20 minutes. And then he comes out of the bank. I'm like, dude. And at that at that time, we're here we are riding together in the same truck on a route. At the time, didn't even know he was my brother. God must have been looking down on us, just laughing, like going, really? Um, but um that's that's really it for that yeah well man listen i think it's a really encouraging thing and i think it's kind of cool too uh and if you don't mind i'll I'll share a story with you i'm sitting here thinking about uh my experience as you're telling me this um so uh, my dad isn't my biological father and back in 2009 um i wasn't the most healthy individual as far as uh my uh mental state of mind. I was going through a lot of uh, issues and trying to figure out who I was in the world. And I decided that I was going to try finding my biological father and and meet him for the first time just to kind of see if it fills any holes in my life. Uh, as far as like, I wasn't looking for a relationship. I was more looking for, you know, do I look like him? What am I going to die from? Things like that, you know, because I had a dad and I was very happy with my father. Um, but I found this guy and I find out that something that I didn't really realize, which was that I had siblings on that side that I never thought about. Like, I, it never crossed my mind that I could have siblings. Wow. And, and so within like the first uh, 12 hours of locating one of his ex-wives' uh, email address, she's inviting us, me and my wife up for dinner that night. And so I, I, I just, I'm Tony, I do things. So I just went up and I, I met her and I met my youngest brother, Danny. And um, from there, I started a roller coaster meeting all my other siblings. Well, when I met my brother and sister, Donnie and Danielle, they're twins. And when I was talking with them, uh, we were talking about the area and how I had used to live in the area as well when I was younger. And we connected dots that my grandfather was their school bus driver for years. And it was just like, wow. it was just like, wow. It's like synchronicity. Yeah, yeah. And so it was kind of cool in that sense. But um, yeah, man, th- you're, listen, when you had felt that tap on your shoulder, do you think that if that tap didn't happen, you wouldn't have been alert enough to kind of have that aha moment? I never thought of it that way. All I, st- I'll still testify to this day, there was nobody behind me. I, and it never happened before again uh, in my life. It had to have been an angel. I, it, as crazy as that sounds, um, I've had a lot of synchronicities in my life. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that's, I would call them mini miracles or uh, whatever, but those two taps on my shoulder um, was just a wow. Like, and and you're right, it probably snapped me out of whatever I was doing. Um, just distracted me enough to hear somebody call Jaffe over, and that's I I looked at him, and it was it was just a, a divine appointment, really. Yeah. You know, I don't think it was a curveball that was intentionally thrown your way by your grandmother. She probably just got the names wrong. You know, she's an older woman. And all yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I um, and and there's actually more to the story since I first contacted you, Tony. Okay. To um, meet up and and talk about this. My half brother Steve ended up leaving the company about three years ago, and we never really kept in contact. But we had a mutual friend that. Uh, I worked with and, you know, I got updates on him. 
My half-brother passed away in October. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just thank God for uh, giving me that chance to meet him. I'm sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, thank you. How long did you know him? We worked together for, I want to say, 12, 13 years. And he would ask me, he's like, what's, what's our father's problem? And the only thing I could say to him is, Steve, he has nothing to offer. I haven't seen him in 20 years. And he asked me that a few times over th that period of time. Um, but the one good thing, you know, being a Christian, uh, and he, I try to pick his brain about his faith. He didn't have any. And uh, I gave him the prayer of salvation, a little track um, that I used to carry around and asked him, a few days later if he said the prayer and he said he did so i believe i truly believe he's in a better place that's cool man that's really cool i mean you talk about divine appointments maybe that a divine appointment years ago was for that very moment you know yeah i, I agree it, it's i mean as obviously as somebody else who's a christian and stuff god as i believe him to be is omnipresent which means that he can be in the past present and future all at one time he knows when we're going to die, how we're going to die, and he also knows what makes us tick and what circumstances and environment would be best for us to come to acknowledgement of him. And maybe you being the brother was that mixture that God needed and you just kind of walked in those you just kind of walked that path and did what you felt like you should and clearly it was a good decision to make. Oh, absolutely. That when that happened, it was um, 2006 that happened. It crystallized my faith. Now, I haven't gone to church in about seven years now. Um, but with this whole pandemic, if you want to be honest, um, that's Are you trying to get my show taken down. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, I'm telling you, there's a I, I want to find a church again because um, the church in general is being attacked and, and Christians and, yeah. and I'm pissed. I'm sorry, but you know, I, I left the church myself, uh, I'd say probably about three years ago. And, uh, I left because I just needed my space to clear my head as far as how I felt the American church in general was treating God and their faith. Yep. Uh, I didn't, I just didn't feel like people were serious in the sense that they just wanted the cupcake stuff and they wanted yeah. to feel good about themselves and that was it. And that's not really faith. And so I kind of pushed back and I said, you know what? I'm done with this nonsense. I don't need you guys to uh, be a Christian. I don't need you guys to um, you know, pursue God, which is true. That's all true. Um, but one thing that I did grossly underestimate was the relationship side of things. Um, I suffered greatly over the last, I'd say really the last year to year and a half spiritually, because I didn't have that connection with other believers. And yeah. Though my faith was strong and though I know who I am in my faith, I didn't have the reinforcement of others that are like-minded in my life that could kind of strengthen me in the sense of, um, not faith, but just like, uh, community, you know, it, it, it's, yeah. 
there's something to be said for being around people who think like you do and sharpen your thoughts with their own and vice versa. And um, in these times that we're living in, I'll tell you, I had a a conversation with uh, the pastor, one of the pastors of the church I used to go to probably about two, three weeks ago. It was about 5.30 in the morning. He called me because I get up at four o'clock in the morning to work on, on the podcast and stuff. So I told him, I said, you can call me anytime in the morning. He calls me and we talked for about an hour. And, uh, you know, I was just telling him kind of what I just told you. And, you know, I, I said to him, you know, I, I think, you know, for my sake and my family's sake, uh, I need to get plugged into a church environment. And I, I, I've, you know, basically said what I just said to you. Uh, but I, I kind of, I kind of feel where you're coming from on that one too, because, um, with everything that's going on in the world, it kind of, on a spiritual level for me, has affected me in a sense where it kind of awoken, it, it awakened something inside of me. And yeah. um, I'm realizing that the times that we talk about coming down the road, the things that we read about in the Bible, for the first time in my life, now I know every generation of Christian has <laughs> said, I can't imagine the world getting worse. The Lord's yeah. coming back in my lifetime and they have come and gone. Uh, but for the first, I can just say it like this, for the very first time in my life, yep. I actually feel like that. I've the never, chess pieces are in place, yes. Yeah, I think they're being put, positioned and put in place. And it may not happen in my lifetime, but this is the very first time in my life that I feel the way others have felt in the past, where I can't imagine it getting any worse. Well, I can because I'm a futurist. So I, I envision futures and I, I really, <laughs> I dig into this stuff. But um, I, I, I think what I envision the future being and getting worse, I think it can happen in my lifetime. Uh, so, yeah. I agree. Uh, things just happen so much quicker now because of the internet. And um, it's just, it's, it's alarming. You know, these statues being taken down, like, really? The, nobody's stopping them? Um, it's almost like history is being erased and I, I, I could get going and it's probably time for another podcast, but, uh, (laughs) I, uh, there's just, uh, the whole deep state thing just is mind boggling. And I know a lot of people in the last few months that have taken the red pill because it was so much, there was so much downtime and they woke up. I, I like, I'm reconnected with people i haven't seen in 30 years um online and it's just uh it's amazing it's it's like you said a community whether it's a church or uh people people like us and your listeners that we're all cut from the same cloth and um that that's why i wanted to give this testimony um to hopefully give somebody out there at least one at least one person i'd be blessed um it gives them some hope because uh it, it was a miracle what happened to me. And that's why I'm sharing it just to give some people hope. Yeah. It's a, and, and I think you did do that. I mean, the, I think just the idea of what you presented, I think gives people hope. And, you know, you mentioned about the red pill and people taking it. You're absolutely right. What, what, ha- I think this is something that they misinterpreted and misunderstood because what happens when you lock everybody down in the middle of you, uh, pulling the fleece over their eyes, you yep. give them time to think about things and you give them time to look into things and start thinking yep. for themselves. And this is this 
So what you have is an entire world of people who they wake up in the morning, they go to work for eight to 12 hours a day, they're distracted at work, then they come home and they turn on the nightly manipulation programming through propaganda media, they get their dosage of the day, they go to sleep, they wake up the next day and do the same thing. Well, when you take their jobs away, where there's eight to 12 hours of free time a day for them, they aren't going to plug into the propaganda all day long, and it's going to give them more time to detox their brain and all of a sudden they start thinking for themselves and people are starting to wake up i've seen it myself a lot of people are waking up i have i have friends who thought i was crazy three years ago now they're like hey what do you think about this what do you think about that (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um stock up on food you know that's i'm starting to do that three to six months worth of uh food that'll last a few years um you just never know because this hit us so fast and in three weeks life changed yeah you know and that's why i offer what i offer through the show and stuff for a while i didn't talk about it because uh you know i I, people people get nasty online and i the first time i posted about my partnership with uh, my patriot supply people got nasty not not a ton of people but enough that i was like you know what if you guys don't appreciate something nice i'm trying to do for everybody then i'm not going to do it i'm not going to subject myself to this this nasty attitude from you and so i didn't talk about it on the show or anything but you know we're in times now where i'm looking around like you know what one i can take it okay i can take it you can think what you want of me and two I don't think it's a time to hold back opportunity for people to stock up on things that are actually made for emergency preparedness. Exactly. So, you know, preparewiththeconfessionals.com. Anybody can go there, preparewiththeconfessionals.com, and you can buy uh, two weeks or four weeks worth of food supply. It comes in a black five-gallon bucket, which is obviously reusable for other things. And the the stuff lasts up up to 25 years. So, I mean, I'm just talking about it because it's worth talking about. And I think that people should know that they should start preparing, like you said, because the world is crazy crazy right now. And, you know, when you start seeing people who are anti-gun going out and buying guns in droves, you yeah. know, things are going downhill big yeah. time. Yeah, I don't get that either. You know, they want to defund the, the police and yet they're also anti-gun. How, how are you going to protect yourself? <laughs> well, uh, some of them aren't anymore. Some of them aren't yeah. because, you know, people are calling and saying to their friends, hey, can I borrow a gun? No, that's not how this works. You can't yeah, just right. borrow a gun. Uh, <laughs> But hey, Richard, listen, man, I appreciate you coming on the show and, and just chatting with me a little bit, man. Hey, no problem. It's a, it's a pleasure just talking to you. I've been a fan for at least a year and a half. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. That's the best thing you can do to help the show grow is just share it around and share it with your friends and family. Because if you enjoy the show, I'm sure they'll enjoy it as well because they like you and you like the show. So it's a common denominator. And in the spirit of the Hatman story that Sandra shared today, I'd like to just let you guys know that we do offer beard oils on the website. Go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the store page, and you'll see there's beard oils in there that you can purchase. And one of the beard oils that we offer is Hat Man. And it's a really good scent. I wear it quite frequently, and I figured I'd share it with you guys and remind you that we do offer the beard oils there on the website. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye. Forever will protect us, serve the cause until I die. Obey every single order, do the work and don't ask why. 
You gave me the job to lead them, bring them close and unify. You saved me from certain death, you made me strong and dignified. I'm living alone on the face of the moon, working for you always. I'm doing the thing you asked me to do, live up to you. I'm loyal to my father, to my family. Stayed with you With you 